0: A reading from the book of Acts. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid from their sight.
1: morning. Morning. My name is Paul. I'm the lead pastor here at the Daniel Island Fellowship. It's a joy to have you with us this morning. Why don't we bow our heads one more time as I pray over our message. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer, And then the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I am ecstatic about this morning and about this fall because we're launching into one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, The book is called Acts, and it stands for the Acts of the Apostles. And today the message is titled, The Mission of Love, But before we dive into the actual passage, let's dive into this question. Have you ever found a quirky item that you just had to buy? Yeah, some are admitting it right out of the gate. Have you ever found a quirky item you just had to buy? Um, Friends, I wanna introduce you to someone who lives in our home, and Cody's gonna help bring my friend up. This is Pepe, can we give Pepe a warm welcome? You can put Pepe on the stage. Thank you so much, Cody. Um, so a few years ago, uh, my wife and I, our family, we went to the Somerville Flower Festival. Anyone been to that before? Raise your hand. It, wow, guys, you got to go. It's beautiful. It's more than flowers. They have funnel cakes. Um, they have all sorts of booths, local uh, artists, artists. Um, there's music and there's thousands and thousands that show up in Somerville, which is a beautiful community just north of Charleston, and um, and I think there's this strip of road that uh, is blocked off, so it's it's walkable only, no cars. It's safe for kids, and so we went for the first time a few years ago, and my family just decided to divide and conquer. Okay. And I'm not one for tight spaces or a a lot of um, people around me, uh, but it it can be that crowded at the Flower Festival. And uh, we went and I just came upon this booth where a local artist was was taking old um, aluminum that had been thrown away and repurposing uh, the aluminum for art to tell a story. And uh, it turns out Pepe was just calling my name. Uh, Pepe was the largest uh, project this artist had under their tent. And here's what I'd say. Pepe was dinged up, but not cast out. And Pepe was telling a story, and I had to have them. Some of you might not know, but the pelican is actually a Christian symbol, and on certain altars around the world, there will be pelicans because uh, a mother pelican, from what I'm told, will actually, if the, if the baby pelicans are starving, will even f- feed their babies from their own blood to save those babies. And so, of course, Pepe had to make his way home with me. Problem is, there was thousands of people and about two miles to our vehicle. And so I bought Pepe, and I carried Pepe uh, through uh, downtown Somerville like this for miles. And I don't know why, but people were even taking pictures of me. And uh, Pepe has been in our living room ever since. He's like, he's a mascot for Team Sorensen. And here's the thing. Let's turn to our scripture. I think the big idea of what our passage teaches is this. No matter your story... God wants to redeem you for a critical role in his story. No matter your story, God wants to redeem you for a critical role in his story. And our author, Luke, gives us three steps in which to enter this story. Number one, he says, know the truth of God. Number two, receive the power of God. And number three, live the mission of God. So we're going to unpack these three steps this morning. Step one, know the truth of God. All right, honest hearts and hands. Who's excited to go back to school? Okay, Trinity. Xander's kind of a half, Ari. Yeah, Ellen. Yes, all right. So how many, how many students do we have in the room? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, how many teachers do we have? Raise your hand. Professors, yeah, raise your hand. Uh, I'm really excited, um, and I think our kids are excited. Here's a picture we took this last week. My kids went back to school this, this last week, and um, this is Blaze on the right. Uh, my kids go to a small school called PCA, and there is a dress code, but Blaze thought it was important to wear the sweater he somehow picked up that has donuts on the front, and he rolled into school with excitement with that sweatshirt, and And uh, I think Luke is sharing with excitement through the book of Luke and the book of Acts. You see, Luke, the author, is a medical doctor, and he has education in mind. So uh, the truth is, Acts is the second half of really one book. The first book is all about a truth that he's going to share and then the second half, this book of Acts, is how we live into that truth. Check this out. If you want to know about a book, just read its introduction. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who, were, who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So, this is Luke chapter one, and I just want to highlight a couple of these phrases. He says, Since I myself have carefully investigated everything, and then he goes on, I've written an orderly account so that you may know the certainty of these things. Uh, I've mentioned this when we went through the book of Luke. It's like when you go to a doctor's appointment, they typically have folders and they take clinical notes. Luke is typically writing clinically. He's, He's creating an orderly account. He's not an eyewitness of Jesus, as we'll discover later in the book of Acts, but he is a companion of the apostle Paul. And so he is investigating for himself Uh, this whole matter, the gospel, Christianity. And and he concludes right out of chapter one, this truth. I want you to know the truth, Theophilus. Theophilus being a friend, a high-ranking friend. I want you to know the truth. That's how he begins his first uh, work, Luke, uh, the gospel of Luke. And and I think if you're like me, you're, you're going, okay, what truth? You didn't tell us the truth. Well, we do have a homework assignment for next week, which is to read the book of Luke. But I thought I'd save us some trouble and just look to the last chapter. He says this. He quotes Jesus. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. This is Jesus. In the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day in repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then you jump into Acts chapter 1. He says, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. What Luke is saying right out of the gate is after careful examination The truth is that I've carefully investigated that I want you to know with certainty that Jesus is the Savior of the world. That is the truth of God that Luke wants to share with us. And here's the implication. We're invited. I don't know if we have any skeptics in the room. Luke invites us to be skeptics. But what he's saying is, I want you to turn on, not turn off your minds as you examine Jesus Christ. That's what I've done, and I want you to do it through reading Luke and Acts and other endeavors. You see, C.S. Lewis himself went through this journey, and I love this quote. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Uh, This last year, I came across a testimony From an MIT professor. And I'd like to share part of uh, her story with you. Her name is Dr. Rosalind Pickard. She writes, As early as grade school, when I was a voracious reader and a straight-A student, I identified with being smart. And I believed smart people didn't need religion. As a result, I declared myself an atheist and dismissed people who believed in God as uneducated. Have you ever tried to assemble something mechanical and it only kind of works? Maybe the wheels spin, but not smoothly, smoothly. Then you realize you were missing a piece. When you finally put it together, it works beautifully. This is how it felt when I handed my life over to God. I thought it had worked fine before, but after it was fixed, it worked exponentially better. That's not to say nothing bad has ever happened to me, far from it. But in all things good and bad, I could count on God's guidance, comfort, and protection. Today, I am a professor at the top university, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, in my field. I have incredible colleagues who have helped translate my lab research into difference-making products, including a smartwatch that helps caregivers save the lives of people with epilepsy. I work closely with people whose lives are filled with medical struggles, people whose children are not healthy. I do not have adequate answers to explain all of their suffering, but I know there is a God of unfathomable greatness and love who freely enters into relationship with all who confess their sins and call upon his name. I once thought I was too smart to believe in God. Now I know I was an arrogant fool who snubbed the greatest mind in the cosmos, the author of all science, mathematics, art, and everything else there is to know. Today I walk humbly, having received the most undeserved grace. I walk with joy alongside the most amazing companion anyone could ask for, filled with the desire to keep learning and exploring. You see, step one, as Luke is sharing, and as this MIT professor is confessing, is to know the truth of God. Step two, Luke says, receive the power of God. Has anyone in here ever lost power or water to their home? In the last month, has anyone lost power or water to their home? A couple weeks ago, we were sitting in our kitchen and I went to get a glass of water and the water faucet was not working, and I said, that's strange. We went to flush the toilet, and uh, it didn't work, and we said, that's strange, and, and I started looking if there's a leak in the house, and we look in the front yard, and there's this kind of volcanic bulge that's forming in our front yard, and it's getting bigger and bigger, and I said, oh no, the water main is broken, And before you know it, there's this geyser of water just shooting up into the air. Uh, It wouldn't bless you, it didn't bless me. Uh, We were heading out for vacation and there's this this geyser and I I knew two things right in that moment. Number one, I knew I couldn't fix it and two, I needed to call someone for help, right? So we called this company and thank God they actually were able to come out tonight, uh, excuse me, tonight, that night and shut off the water main from the city of Charleston. And then they had to rework all of the water lines coming into our house. All new fasteners, all new pipes. And, um, and even when they turned the water on, something bad happened. Mud shot through all of our faucets, all of our uh, showers, all, you know, everything. It was muddy. So they had to go through every uh, pipe there and clean it out, take the heads off and clean it all the way out. And um, I think there's some parallels with the gospel to a water line that's breaking. You see, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus wants us to have divine power coursing through our very veins. He says to the disciples in Acts 1 Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And if you know anything about the Scriptures, this is a prophetic fulfillment of the Scriptures of old. You see, there was a break in the covenantal relationship between God and his people. And there was this promise by God that he would send a Messiah and a Savior. And through that uh, covenantal renewal, uh, God would bring renewal to the earth through the impartation of the people to the new Israel. And what Jesus is saying is like, this is happening here now for all of my followers, starting with you. For instance, In Joel chapter 2, in the Old Testament, we read, And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. You see, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, God wants to bring renewal to all people, to everyone. And the implication here is we're not just called to have faith, but to share it. Yet we cannot do this in our own power. Let me repeat that, especially for people in the South. We're not just called to have faith. We're called to share it. And Jesus is saying, but you'll need power from outside. And as we'll see next week, we're called to pray and we're called to wait Cry out to God with great anticipation for the gift and power of the Holy Spirit. So, step two is receive the power of God, which leads to step three live the mission of God. Our passage goes on Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates. The Father is set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. First thing I want to know is just when you think the disciples are starting to get it, they miss it. And uh, it actually brings me comfort because they're knuckleheads, and I also know that I can be a knucklehead and just miss what God is trying to do here. You see, what they say is, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? If you know anything about their motives in their heart, what they're what they're basically saying is are you going to free us from the bondage of the Romans and allow Israel to rise up again to have dominion and power over everyone else? And he's like, yeah, it's not going to work quite like that. I'm establishing a new kind of kingdom. You see, the mission of Jesus is not about political power, but the power of love. A love that's offered to everyone. Let me read the scripture again. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the disciples at that moment would have had to say, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Like Jerusalem, they were trying to flee Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where Jesus was hung and killed. They wanted to get out. That was a dangerous place. You want us to bring this message of forgiveness and hope to these people? And he's saying, yeah. And then the next layer, Judea, where they mocked us and they mocked Jesus. You want us to go there to those people? Yeah, I do. You want us to go to Samaria? If you know anything about Samaria, they were seen by the Jews as half-breeds sellouts? You want us to go there? Yeah. You want us to go to Rome, the epicenter of hate in our bondage? Yeah, I do. And I want you to go further than that. I love this quote from John Stott, the late John Stott, a pastor and a theologian. The kingdom of God is his rule set up in the lives of his people by the Holy Spirit. It is spread by witness, not by soldiers, through a gospel of peace, not a declaration of war, and by the work of the Spirit, not by force of arms, political intrigue, and revolutionary violence. For Christ's kingdom, while not incompatible with patriotism, tolerates no narrow nationalisms. He rules over an international community in which race, nation, rank, and sex are no barriers, To fellowship. And when his kingdom is consummated at the end, the countless redeemed company will be seen to be drawn from, quote, every nation, tribe, people, and language. You see, the extension of God's love is to know no bounds, and we, you and I, are to be its agents. And the implication is knowing Jesus is more about living on mission than living in comfort. Specifically, every kid on our block, every person in our building, every family in our city, every people group in our world matter to God. And they're to matter to us. I hope you're catching all that. Jesus is saying, live the mission of God with me. So in summary, no matter your story, God wants to redeem you for a critical role in his story. We're invited to know the truth of God, receive the power of God, live the mission of God. I came across this story, I'll close with this. It's, I came across it in a book by Kent Hughes, but it's about George Whitfield, uh, one of the great preachers in the 17th century. He writes when George Whitfield was getting the people of Edinburgh out of their beds at 5 o'clock in the morning to hear his preaching a man on his way to the church met David Hume the Scottish philosopher and skeptic surprised at seeing him on his way to hear Whitfield the man said i thought you did not believe in the gospel and Hume replied i do not but he does You see, the hope that Jesus has for the early church and the hope he has for us is that we would uh, be known by our word and deed to believe in all its fullness the good news of Jesus, that there is hope and renewal possible to every kid, every person, every tribe, every nation. And I would hope that we would have this pulsating, magnetic presence in Charleston and beyond Where people look at you, Lily, they look at Trenton, they look at others, and they say, I don't know if I believe, but he does. And they're drawn in. In this book of the Acts of the Apostles, it's going to be the Acts of the Daniel Island Fellowship. We're going to continue to pour ourselves into this book and see how God pours himself out into our neighborhoods, into our city, into our world this fall. Are you in? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word and I thank you for the testimonies of those who've gone before us. God, I pray that we would know your truth. We desperately need to receive your power. And God, would you light us on fire to live on mission with you? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.